From the Financial Times in London, I'm Maya Palmer and this is FT News. We've been writing a lot about robots and worrying about them taking our jobs. But how much of this is hype? I went to talk to three roboticists about what the reality of robots is likely to be. What kinds of things will robots be doing? What jobs will be left for the humans to do? And what will a future of robot-human coexistence look like? Mirko Kovac is director of the Imperial College Aerial Robotics Laboratory, developing drones that are able to do much more complex things, not just flying overhead taking pictures or delivering parcels, but, for example, carrying out maintenance and repairs. So one example of an application that we look at is pipeline repair or repair of leaks in industrial facilities. So currently this is done by humans going up on scaffolds with gas masks in very dangerous situations. Often takes a lot of time and um, requires that the whole facility is shut down for this entire duration which is extremely expensive. So the alternative approach is to send a drone there that would then inspect the damage, inspect what is happening and then interface with the human who would then react to this and the drone would be like a tool, like an extension to the human operator. So it would not replace the human, it would really be an extension, just provide a much faster, much more precise or just much more surgical intervention and reaction to this. Mirko is pretty adamant, however, that humans will remain in control. Yeah, so it has a shared autonomy approach where it does some things by itself, such as stabilizing itself or uh, flying close to the structure or even rejecting wind disturbances and so on. But it still has very much a human operator in the loop who is very good at taking certain decisions, such as strategic decisions or evaluating the information that it provides. So I think this is also very much for the next five to ten years I see the autonomy of flying vehicles very much in collaboration with humans. So I don't think that we'll see fully autonomous uh, flight of vehicles that would take entire mission plans and plan their mission and execute it and then come back. So I think the human will remain in the loop and I think that's also healthy. The sweet spot for robotics is addressing jobs that are dull, dirty or dangerous, so the three Ds that is often referred to. So going into a high-risk environment and doing some cleanup action, for example in the Fukushima radioactive environment and doing an interaction there, is very dangerous and not really the best environment for a human to go in the first place. So I think uh, aero-robotics can really help there to do the jobs that humans shouldn't do and humans can then focus on more strategic jobs where they can interact with the technology and benefit. But what about when drones become increasingly autonomous? What happens if a drone and its human controller disagree? The guiding principle has to be that the human has a higher level of of intuitive knowledge and compassion, for example, which a drone might not have. So I think we cannot just outsource decision-making to the drone but we can ask the drone to provide the information for the humans to take the right decision. Now, the question what is right is a very philosophical one which needs to be addressed and discussed very thoroughly in society. I also spoke to Rich Walker, the managing director of Shadow Robot, a London-based company which makes robotic hands. If you remember the news story from last year about the robot chef that was programmed to cook crab bisque just like the winner of the MasterChef cooking program, it was Shadow Robot that made those hands. Shadow Robot is working on a number of projects that could see robots replacing human workers. We've got a couple of projects in development looking at basically two areas. One is how can we use robots in areas where it's getting hard to get people to do the tasks. 
So that's areas like social care and that's areas like agriculture, farming and harvesting, where it's just really, really difficult to source sufficient numbers of people who are willing to do the work and the work is not aspirational. You might go and pick strawberries once. You don't want to do it for 10 hours a day, five days a week. So let's get robots in to do that. But then at the other end, we're looking at areas where whilst we might regard the job as a skilled, well-paid job, it's actually pretty damn repetitive and boring and humans make errors and those errors have massive consequential costs. If you look at an industry like pharmaceutical manufacturing, if you make an error in a pharmaceutical manufacturing process, what you've got is a batch of dodgy drugs and those have to be recalled and taken out of the supply chain and you have to work out why and you have to investigate that thoroughly and you have to hope like hell that they didn't actually get used by anybody when they weren't up to standard. So what you want there is an industry where you have people doing very, very skilled tasks and you want them all to do them perfectly every time. And that's really, really hard to do. So that's an area where we think it's possible to bring in robotics technology and say, well, why don't we have the humans show the robots how to do those tasks? And then the robots can do them and do them right every time. In Rich's view, robots are mainly taking over jobs that humans really shouldn't do. Rich points out that robots have already replaced small boys as camel jockeys in many Middle Eastern countries. We saw the introduction of robot camel jockeys eliminate slavery in one country where they used to have three and four-year-old boys who were effectively slaves who were riding the camels. You want a very, very light person to ride a camel. It turns out the three-year-old boy is about right. You put an earpiece on them. You tell them what to do by shouting at them over the radio. They do it. That's a camel jockey. Replace it with a robot. The robot is better at being a camel jockey. It's more efficient, it, it does the job better, it's less likely to, to distract or upset the camel by being a human being, and it's just better at the job. Elizabeth Sklar is a reader in computer science and part of the informatics lab at King's College London. She studies how human-robot interactions might work. And like most roboticists, she finds the fear of robots hard to understand. There are pieces of technology that are used in robots that we deal with every day, like the Google search engine, the Amazon feature, or the Netflix feature, which says somebody watched this film like you did, here's something else that you would enjoy. And all of those kinds of technologies are the same kinds of things that robots use for reasoning. We're fascinated with the Go player that just won this competition, and the Deep Blue and the Jeopardy player. And all of that artificial intelligence is what underlies the autonomy in the robot. And the only thing that's different is that the robot is a physical entity that's situated in the physical world. She does not think that robots will take our jobs. I don't know why people have that fear. I think this kind of, quote, Luddite attitude dates way back, you know, 150 years to when factories started being automated and people were worried about machinery. And in the reality, the mechanizing factories created jobs because you have to have people who build the machines and maintain the machines. And the same goes with robots. And in fact, now you not only need people to build and maintain the robots, but also people to program the software. That's not to say there won't be ethical dilemmas in interacting with robots. Take, for example, healthcare, an area where robots are already starting to be used. Imagine this scenario. A healthcare robot is looking after someone together with a human carer. The robot is in the house all the time with the patient, while the human carer comes in occasionally to check on things. The human carer has told the patient to make sure they get up and exercise throughout the day. And the patient tells the human carer that she's done this. But the robot knows that the patient has, in fact, 
been sitting in front of the TV all day. So then there's this ethical question, because it's like, does the robot tell the human that the patient is lying, in which case the robot risks losing the trust of the human patient, which is an important relationship. And so, yeah, I mean, there are no answers, but these ethical questions definitely come up. Probably the decision should be that the human caregiver is informed. What was interesting, speaking to all three roboticists, was that, for the most part, they think of robots very much as single-purpose devices, not the C-3PO or Terminator-type humanoid machines. I asked Elizabeth if creating an almost human-like robot was possible. I don't think so in my lifetime, but frankly, you know, my response to that is why would we want to? In the AI community, there's a split between people who are involved in AI because they want to be able to replicate the human brain. They want to be able to create the robot in like Stepford Wives, but they want to be able to create that ultimate bicentennial man kind of robot. But then there's like the rest of us who are in it because, you know, I see ways in which technology can help humans survive longer, live healthier lives, be better informed, make better decisions. And I don't care if my go-playing robot can't make dinner because I like to make dinner. So I don't need a general purpose robot. So what will a robot future really look like? I asked all three interviewees to pick the science fiction film that, in their view, came closest to depicting robot reality. And the answers were quite surprising. So maybe one example could be her or Ex Machina, so the two films where a human basically falls in love with a robot or an artificial intelligence system. And I think this also demonstrated there can be levels of intimacy or psychological intimacy that can happen with artificial systems and humans. And I think this interaction is very interesting. One of the things that comes to mind is the Pokemon cartoons, because you've got the human characters in that show, but they also have these mechanical sort of robotic devices that they work together with. The toaster from Red Dwarf, all it wants to do is to make you toast. It really wants to make you toast. It's very annoying about that. It keeps telling you it wants to make you toast. It's internet enabled. It can phone you up and say, would you like some toast? No, I'm at work. But would you like some toast? When you get home, it's going, do you want some toast? No, I don't want any toast. It's got one thing it really, really wants to do for you, and it's got some idiot put a speech synthesis system in it and speech recognition so it can talk to you, and it really wants to make you toast. 